All right, day 307. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. I'm John. I'm Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to look through it and see God. We don't come to it primarily to look at it and see ourselves. All right, this is the final week of this first round. So uh, August 9th, 2020, we started this day one. August 7th, 2020, which is Saturday of this week, will be- uh, 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of 2021 will be day, um, what, 312, right? So we didn't do any weekend. So, you know, six days per week, every day for the course of the past year. So, man, that's, it's crazy to look back in hindsight and to think, yo, this was hard, Mm -hmm. but it was fruitful. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that we did it. Mm. Yeah, excellent, man. I I am too, bro. I'm super excited just about it's something about finishing, right? That is that is gratifying, uh, and just seeing this full orbed picture of who God is uh, based on His word. So I'm I'm so encouraged, bro. I'm yeah. even more encouraged by the guy the fact that so many people have kept up. That's what I'm and saying. Have tracked along with us, and I'm and that's that's encouraged my soul so much. So we really do appreciate all of the encouragement. Almost every other day, man, someone's saying how much it's blessed them and helped them in their walk with the Lord. And that just, it literally warms my heart so much. Right, yeah. Um, so one of the things we are going to do this week is we do have next steps. So the uh, we, yeah, yeah, started this last year and thought, all right, 365 days, this is, uh, we're going to do it. And then it's going to come to a close. But I, I think we've been so blessed by it. And we know that um, it's helped y'all as well. So our goal is we're just going to keep this thing moving, right? So one of the things that you can do this week, uh, if you could record yourself and send an audio uh, testimony or encouragement or something like that, just drop it in the email, bible at cornerstoneatl.org. We would love to compile Uh, those as we head into next week and talk about what we're going to do moving forward. All right. That's already two and a half minutes of our time, uh, but we're going to jump right in. (laughs) Revelation one through four, right? Revelation singular. There's not an S at the end. It's not revelations. (laughs) Revelation. Bro, I literally (laughs) had the same thing in my notes. (laughs) Same thing. This is not revelations. (laughs) Stop saying that. (laughs) All right, so the book of Revelation, man, is basically uh, from this Greek word called apocalypsis, from right. where we get the English word apocalypse. Right. From. And all that word means is an unveiling or divine disclosure of unseen spiritual realities. Right. Right? It's just God unveiling something about something that is unseen to the naked eye. And so John sees this revelation, and the purpose of it, listen, the purpose of the book of Revelation was to comfort people, not confuse them. Right. That's right? that's so good. Peep. That's that's like <laughs> that's one it. of the big things I want to get across. So think about if you were a persecuted Christian and you needed comfort. Right. That's how you're supposed to think about this book. Yeah. You're not supposed to speculate, hey man, Christ can come back today, tomorrow, the next like right. that's not what this is about, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not um, just so much a prediction of the end times, but this type of literature is meant to give this like pictorial presentation of truth, right? So that's where you get the 
bold colors, vivid images, uh, the unique symbols, mm. a simple storyline, hear this, a hero and a happy ending, right? Um, it yeah. It is full of, you know, dragons and creatures with eyes all around and four-headed monsters. Uh, but if you spend so much time yeah. on that, you're gonna miss out on the storyline uh, that helps us just make sense of the book and you'll miss out on the basic applications that exist here, right? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's like, he's writing to comfort these Christians, provide them this assurance of what's gonna happen and to call them to faithful and patient endurance. Right. Right. Things that me and you need, bro. We right. need to be faithful and patiently endure. What's going on is this. There's this cosmic battle. Christ and Satan and the forces of darkness. We're going to get into it. Right. The way that he comforts believers, though, and we've been saying it all podcast. Christ's second coming. Right. Right. Christ is on the throne right now, but he's coming again right. to defeat all evil, crush the head of the serpent, which is Satan judge the kingdoms of this earth the oppressive kingdoms that that oppress god's people and the vulnerable right is going to judge them and all and bring all of creation and his people under his mighty rule and reign right right yeah the triumph of christ was inaugurated it began the victory was already won essentially through the the cross and resurrection but it will be finished and complete and consummated at his second coming. Right. This is what our hope is in. This is what Revelation is about. Yeah. And so chapter one, verses 12 through 20 paints this picture, yeah. not of a crucified savior, but a risen Lord, right? Victorious. So there's no confusion yeah. who wins at the end, right? He, he comes, his voice is booming, right? He's got this golden sash wrapped around his chest the hair on his head mm. is like white as wool right wisdom his eyes fiery clothes white as snow this is presenting a picture of not the jesus that you saw on the cross dying for the sins of the world right this is the resurrected risen king and he's coming down walking around and inspecting these lampstands right so a lampstand was um a piece of furniture that was in the old temple right the mm. that that was the place where god's presence uniquely dwelt when it was lit the lamps on top symbolized the very presence of god among his people right and so the lampstands here are what's called uh, uh synecdoche right or it's a poetic term that refers to a part of something referring to the whole. So if I were to say all hands on deck, um, I don't just want your hands to come, right? Hands are just a part that represents the whole. I want people to come and to be involved. These lampstands, right, are are um, a part of the whole that he's trying to get at, right? It's it's um, symbolic of God's presence among his people. And Jesus Christ here is taking the priestly role, right? So he comes in and he's inspecting these lamps, right? He's gonna trim some lamps. He's gonna remove the wicks. He's gonna refill these lamps, right? Jesus is coming in order to secure the church's fitness for service as light bearers. Uh, in a very, very 
dark world. And this just shows us, yo, the church is persecuted. Jesus hasn't given up on the church, right? Jesus yeah. comes yeah. Um, and he is invested in seeing his church thrive. And some of them are going to get words of commendation and some of them are going to get words of correction. But Jesus wants to see his church, regardless of what state it is in now, thrive, not just survive. Mm, excellent. Yeah. So he gives this vision, right, of this resurrected, ascended, exalted Christ. And Revelation, just as much as probably Hebrews, they're probably the top two, is going to talk and use the Old Testament better than any other New Testament writers. Right. So to understand a lot of the, the imagery, you got to know the Old Testament. So right. that's why we spent hundreds of days <laughs> right. going through the Old Testament. So he gives this vision of Christ. And the purpose of this vision at the front of the book is meant to tell us this, that the only way to see things as they really are is to see Christ as he truly is. Right. Right. Mm. And that's his whole point. Right. To see reality as it truly is. We got to see Christ for who he truly is. Right. And so he's going to say, yo. He's, Christ is going to talk and say, I'm the Alpha and Omega. Uh, I, I, I was dead. Now I'm alive. I have the keys to death in Hades. And what he, why he says that is because he says, yo, I have the authority to discipline or to save or judge right. these churches I'm about to tell you about. Right. Mm. And so, yo, he goes in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, right? Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, right? And he gives you know warnings and rebukes and even encouragements as well uh to these first to these churches the thing you need to know about ephesus is they were strong in truth but weak in love mm. right to sum up what he says about them they were strong in truth but weak in love they were big proponent proponents of right doctrine and right theology and what they should believe about god right but they didn't love christ and love people the way right. they called or the way that christ called them to and man can it be said is it true of us, right? right? That the more we learn about God and all things in relation to God, that we fail to love people, right? right? That should not be said of us. They go hand in hand. Right. Uh, this Smyrna. Keep on. Yeah. Smyrna, be faithful unto death, right? right? You know, there were some in this city who were persecuting these Christians. They were likely Jewish. And the irony is that... <laughs> You know, if Jews were in their right mind, they would understand that Christianity is a fulfillment of Judaism, not an aberration from right. it. Right. Yeah. But his charge to Smyrna is, yo, however fierce the persecution, it's coming and I want you to be faithful unto death. And in that you will imitate me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Per Pergamum. Well, yo, yo, and he just leaves here. Right. right? So with most of them, he's going to have these words of correction as well yeah smyrna it's nah i see you i know things are hard keep it up mm. yeah you excel mm. more and more and more right so that that helps us out too as well as we think right like we don't have to manufacture some sort of you're doing a bad job where people yeah. are excelling and thriving we can be okay with in encouraging them full stop to keep on going and that's what he does right there with the church in smyrna yep pergamum he goes on and says yo essentially uh the thesis is you're holding firm but you're beginning to slip you're right. beginning 
to compromise. Pergamum was a leading religious center in Asia Minor at the time that John is writing this. Right. And bro, what they were doing, they were involved heavily with emperor worship, mm. right? So people were essentially deifying or lifting the earthly man emperor up to the status of a god. And right. they were worshiping him. And if you were a Christian in Pergamum and you didn't worship him, you were guess what you were deemed as? Mm. Disloyal. Mm. Unpatriotic. Uh. Uh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's crazy because, yo, Christ give, rebukes this church and he says, yo, like y'all are being tossed by the winds and waves of pagan culture. Right. Right. They're worshiping another king instead of Jesus. We don't right. do that. That's not what the church is about. Our allegiance is to Christ. And this applies to us in America today. Our allegiance is to Christ and his kingdom over America, over America and this nation. Right. Thyatira. <laughs> Full of good works. But y'all tolerant a false faith, bro. Yeah, bro. Like, y'all tolerating religious compromise, yeah. right? And that's why he'll go into the Jezebel kind of imagery from First Kings, yeah. uh, First Kings, I believe, seventeen, and talk about that. You know, where she led an entire, you know, north the an entire northern kingdom into idolatry, right? Right. And sexual immorality and all these things, and uh. You know they are the opposite of ephesus right like right. they're strong in love they have all the good deeds and they're doing all right but at the same time they're compromising yeah the essentials of the faith yeah bro it's right here it's like what you see here is he kind of helps them see look the tolerance that y'all have for sin that's the peaceful road to a painful ending right so his point mm. is like man y'all are tolerating there's no conflict you say that you love all or that love wins the problem is yeah <laughs> you know, it's a peaceful road that's really going to end in destruction but judgment what should take place right this uh yeah, this uh uh respect and holding firm to the holiness of god that is a painful and a hard road but it does lead to a peaceful ending right it leads to pleasure with god peace among his people and so this is a church really that's all love quote unquote and no truth and mm -hmm. christ comes in to correct them and mm -hmm. uh, again he doesn't just leave them there right yeah. he sees them where they are shows he's invested speaks a word of correction in hopes that they would be set on the right path and that's such a good word to us especially in our culture where tolerance is the uh, virtue that is valued mm. uh, uh, above all else. Yeah. You know, I, I love, uh, and we'll get to Philadelphia and Laodicea, but I love Sardis, bro. Like, it's so vivid the way he talks about it. Yeah. He says, man, y'all are essentially at the point of spiritual death. Right. right? Y'all, he says, listen, y'all look good. You look alive. You, to the naked eye, you seem to be doing well. Mm. Your reputation, though, and reality right. are very much incongruent right, right? Mm. they are not on the same level y'all are essentially corpses with makeup all over your mm. face right and he's like yo y'all are dead right. right and it's like yo christ speaks a harsh word to them right. philadelphia he's going to say yo y'all are keeping the word right he encourages them nothing bad to say Laodicea, lukewarm, nauseating, right? Right. Uh, you're neither hot nor cold, right? And and it doesn't mean you're neither good nor bad. It means you're neither good. You're neither 
uh, edifying in a in, in in a way that cold water would, right. or in a way that you know warm water would. And why is God doing this? Why is this here? Why is He talking to these churches at the beginning of this letter? Because judgment starts with the, the household. household of God. Right. It starts with the household of God. He is unveiling this judgment that is coming upon the earth, and only those who are faithful will pass through the judgment instead of being consumed by it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Ah. And in chapter four. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, chapter four. Oh, man. Hey, bro. Every time I read a new book, it feel like it become one of my favorites. <laughs> right, come on. Chapter four. We, we we can't even finish it this time. But man, he like the scene changes abruptly. Right. right. And he goes to the throne room of heaven. Remember the holy of holies mm. in the Old Testament, right? Where the high priest would only go once a year. Yeah. He would only go once a year to the holy of holies, and he would make a sacrifice before the Lord. Well, here, what John is doing, he's peeling back the curtain of the Holy of Holies and letting us peek inside. Right. And, and what he sees is God is on his throne. Mm. Right. We have all of these images of judgment. But guess what? For those who are faithful, for those who've really trusted in Christ, God is on his throne. And he's going to use imagery from Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah. But here, the heavenly hosts and the attendants are giving ceaseless, unending worship to Yahweh, the God of the universe, the God of history. I seen a tweet on Twitter today that said this and it was perfect. I had to retweet it. Yeah. Dude said, when we go to worship Christ, mm. when we go to worship God on Sunday, we are participating. We are participating on earth with the worship that is already going on in heaven. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. We're participating on earth yeah with what is already going on in heaven this is what i'm saying and what that does bro is it lifts us up out of our worry you look at the world and just think there's so much to worry about and be concerned about but it's because yo we're looking at the problems from the vantage point that we have and as john is literally lifted up to get a bird's eye view yeah. of these things he sees Christ on the throne and it puts all his problems into perspective, right? And we talk a whole lot about worship, but part of the reason why the Bible is a book about God, it is a window. It is for those of us who are so caught up in the worries of this life to be able to yeah. look at God and in our worship, we realize that it is hard. It is incredibly hard for a heart to be consumed with both worship and worry at the same time, right? One of them really mm -hmm. sets the tone and the tenor and has the ability to swallow up and envelop the other. And we get the chance today to see the end of all things and to yeah, have the worship of our true great God swallow up worry that exists in our hearts. Let's pray. Yeah. 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 Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grandness, the way that you've revealed it on the pages uh, of this book in such vivid ways, Father, as we yeah, come down to land uh, at the end of this week. I pray that you would help us to have hearts that are full with a vision of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.